0: Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is lucky. Get ready to be inspired because today's guest on the Art of Badassery podcast is Afshin Ismail Way, a remarkable individual whose life's journey is a testament to the power of embracing diversity and pursuing one's dreams. Born in Pakistan and raised in Saudi Arabia during the 70s and 80s, Afshin's upbringing was a unique blend of international schooling with a diverse student body against a relatively restrictive local culture. Now this fusion of experiences left an indelible mark on her perspective, teaching her that diverse worlds can coexist harmoniously, a lesson that continues to shape her views today. Afshin aspired to a corporate career early, inspired by a female lead character in the movie, The Secrets of My Success. Now, despite having no familial role models in this field, she diligently embarked on this path. Her mother's achievement as a black belt in karate added another layer to her understanding of life's vast possibilities. Currently living in Switzerland, she has traversed seven countries across Europe, Asia, and North America over the past 25 years. She is the driving force behind a successful six-figure leadership development company that partners with leaders and leadership teams in sectors such as pharma, FMCG, and beverages. But her journey isn't just about business, it's also about embracing well being and life's joys. She finds solace and inspiration in long walks in nature, the discipline of kickboxing, the passion for flamenco dancing, the tranquility of yoga, and the power of meditation. You are going to love this woman, I'm telling you. In this episode, we delve into her incredible life story, her insights on leadership, and her profound connection with diversity and well-being. So join us as we explore the art of pursuing dreams, breaking barriers, and embracing the full spectrum of human experience. In other words, the art of badassery. Sheen, welcome to the show. I couldn't be happier to have you here.
1: Yay, and I'm delighted to be, thanks for
0: having me, Mara. You are so welcome. When I read your bio, I kept going, what? Huh? What? That's super cool. I'm Jamaican and I was raised in Canada. Can you tell us a bit about your upbringing? Because I mentioned it in the bio, but how was it in such a, how did it feel to have those types of influences at such a young age?
1: You know, to me, it was all that I knew, right? So it wasn't as though I had anything to compare it to. This was my reality. And so how it felt was familiar and rich. And I've carried that with me ever since because, yeah, it just felt like everything could coexist and it didn't, uh, create any dissonance in my in in my in my mind and I think I've always been influenced by that uh, and it's always been part of how I ex- I guess how I experience life or how I show up in the world um, so yeah that's that's how it was growing up in that context
0: what I find so fascinating though And I love that you had that that was your answer. That's beautiful. Of course, that's the way it should be because that's what you know. Was there a time, however, when you started to travel, when you went, wait a second, not everybody lives like this? Not everybody thinks like this?
1: Again, I'd say no. And the reason I would say that is because, and I'll, I'll start with a really real example for me. So my best friends growing up were so diverse. So one of my best friends was Egyptian-American. One of my best friends was Turkish. One of my best friends was from Singapore. And then there was me. And so to me, um, and, the, and we all lived our lives uh, differently. We uh, had a variety of ways in which we engaged with the world. And yet what we shared between the four of us was um, a, a common appreciation for each other, and um, and and I must say our values as well. So one of us, uh, in fact, at the time, yeah, some of us were covered. You know, we chose to do hijab. Some of us chose not to do hijab. Some of us chose to uh, uh, have have a different kind of social life, and others had a different kind of social life, that we had enough in common between the four of us, that we always gravitated towards each other. And so we grow, grew up with a massive appreciation for each other's individual differences where, and as well, feeling very safe and very connected and having deep senses of, a deep sense of belonging between us because we shared um, really our values with each other. So, you know, going back to your question, did it then uh, surprise me when I went and I lived in several other countries? Not, and my answer is it, it didn't because I was not expecting anything else. I was expecting people to be different and to have different ways of living, different choices. Uh, different manifestations of how they wanted to be in the world, different uh, uh, rules even to live by, and for me, it really became about in Rome, do as the Romans do. It created a really deep respect for what other cultures held true and valuable to themselves, um, and 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 that I think allowed me to kind of show up and just enjoy the journey of learning rather than being in a space of this doesn't make sense to me or why is it this way? Uh, It was much more, what can I learn from this that I would like to incorporate into my own um, way of being in the world?
0: Can I admit that I have never heard anybody say that to me? And that was really very beautiful because what I heard was whether by accident or design, you were raised in what sounds almost like nirvana in the sense that very much community, very much we are one and full of respect for each other. And you've taken that with you as an adult, obviously. And because that's what you expect, that is what you are experiencing, which I think is really beautiful because unlike many others in the world, we may, and I'm one of them, I was raised in you yeah, have great parents, you know, upper middle class family in Jamaica, black father, white mother. And I actually began to experience racism in my own country. I didn't understand it, but I began to experience it. I could witness it as a little girl. And there were things about that, that experience that I took with me as a young adult. And I manifested or I witnessed other things that built on it. So I came from a place of a little bit of fear, a little bit of discord, a little bit of mistrust based on how I was treated from a young from a young age. But what I'm hearing from you is the complete opposite. You are experiencing almost the best of humans, the best of of travel and culture and diversity, because you were raised in a way that was that it was familiar and. You just had this a beautiful attitude towards it
1: i I'm not- I think it's it's I, I would i would add that sure it's attitude, but also that I was incredibly lucky um that I was um quite insulated in those early days of being raised um in a in a in a very it, like you said very um uh, very nirvana like reality where we, you know, our lives were centered around home and school and school and home and occasionally, um, of course, visiting with friends and things like that. But so, so well insulated. And that is the experience of the expat. Uh, and it certainly was in the 70s, the experience of the expat in the Middle East, which was that we lived sort of in a microcosm within a bigger mm-hmm. ecosystem and so we were able to, um, to, to feel very secure. We were able, and, and of course, our differences brought us together because we were all expats, right? There, there was a, it, if if you look back into how some of the Middle Eastern countries were able to develop themselves uh, to where they are now, it was uh, as a result of um, having a, tax-free salaries um, for expats who were willing to give up their lives in their home countries where they wouldn't make enough of an income and move to these countries to earn a fair income and be able to send that back home to then be able to retire back home. So as a result of that, what happened for the children who came along on that journey was that they were raised in this in this quite secure quite um insulated ecosystem and we were and we were all gravitating towards one another because we didn't have our own country people there we only had each other and there was literally one of each of us <laughs> one of each country in a class <laughs> that was that was literally how it was if, if you ended up in an international school. So I do think that I was also very lucky in that I did not um, experience um, the, the bias or racism until quite a bit later on in my life. And I don't think I began to recognize it as such until even farther on in my life.
0: I can see that, and that makes perfect sense. And I think you're right, you are lucky. I'm curious though, when you started in your corporate world, in, in the corporate world, can you think of a, can you share with us how your upbringing really um, supported you in that?
1: Yeah, I think again, I really had no role models
0: when, when I sort of pursued
1: this, 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 this corporate adventure. I, I started with, uh, like I said, I watched The Secret of My Success at 14. And it was this this movie with Michael J. Fox and the female lead who I don't even remember. When um, at the time in Saudi Arabia, these movies were censored to such a degree that you really only caught glimpses of the movie itself. But somehow it left such a strong impression on me. And I thought to myself, that's who I'm gonna be one day. And ironically, <laughs> Some you know several years down the line, I kind of remembered that and realized, oh, that's who I've become. <laughs> which, which, but jokes aside, I think my upbringing, um, and how it sort of showed up in my corporate life. One I can honestly say is, um, the the, oh this there are so many impressions. It's really very hard for me to assimilate them into one, um, one instance. And I grew up with a mother who's a black belt in karate, as you know, Uh, and so one of the things I never doubted was that women can be strong. I never doubted that, right? I knew that, that even in uh, an environment where I was witness to uh, women um, um, dressing differently. For example, when we used to go to school, we were required to wear a hijab. There was no option. If you wanted to enter the school gate and leave the school gate, you had to be fully covered because that was part of the local regulations. So I knew that there were things in which we were uh, that out. You know, the requirement for how we were supposed to behave was out of our choice. But at the same time, I knew that I had this role model at home who was like very much in choice in certain parts of her life. And so that was that was really important for me. Being able to be a strong female that wasn't a difficult thing to be, and and then being able to bring a context where diversity, and 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 an appreciation for a variety of people, um, I think actually led me to my career in human resources because that's really where I had access to so many different people who had so many different gifts and so many different talents. And I was able to be part of their journeys. And that's what I love. So there were so many elements of growing up that then became part of how my corporate life manifested itself. Um, yes, I wonder if, that, if I answered your question.
0: You did. And it I am not surprised that you ended up in HR because yes, you you were raised with an understanding that people are different. We have different needs. And, you know, especially in the corporate world, I think that's one of the challenges with HR today is recognizing and being open to, and I could be wrong, but recognizing and being open to not only do we have different cultures, but humans in general. We have different needs and different ways of communicating, and different and different levels of understanding of ourselves. You know, emotional intelligence. Not everybody has it, right? You may have the degree, but not be able to communicate with your peers. You just don't know how to talk to them. So, I think the skills that you bring from your upbringing make perfect sense in the corporate world. I'm curious, how long were you in the corporate world? before you made that decision. And we're going to get to that decision in a bit. Sure. So
1: I was in the corporate world from when I was <laughs> um, when I was 22 until I was 40. So I would say uh, now 18, 18 years. And then at 40, I had sort of a life-changing moment that sort of set me on the path that I'm on now. Um, and you know, Amhar, I was going to go back to one of the other things that I think really influenced from 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 my upbringing into what I brought into corporate was in the end I ended up living and working in my corporate roles across uh, in in Pakistan so a lot of my travel experiences were a result of me working with organizations uh, and me being required to take on roles in a variety of geographies—that's really how it happened. But I think the reason it worked so well, and the reason I felt at home wherever I ended up going, so it started in the U.S. and then it I'd moved back to Pakistan for a period of time, and I was then sent off to Sri Lanka for a secondment with KPMG. So I did that for a while, and then on coming back, I was headhunted and I had moved to Dubai, and then in my in my in. In my time with uh, Kraft Foods or Mondelēz, I um, I was with them in Dubai, in Austria, and in Switzerland, and then finally in Dubai again. So the that that path, I think, and and the reason it worked so well for me, and the reason I feel like I was able to show up in a space that was different every time, in cultures that were different every time, in contexts that were different every time. And still be able to contribute effectively, and uh, was because of this deep appreciation for and really comfort with um, different kinds of people. Uh, it, it just, it, and, and just to me, this was always so exciting. And it was almost as though I was able to replicate what I felt as I was growing up in each and every one of those experiences, because the unfamiliar was what was familiar and beloved to me. I wanted to know about, you know, how are things done in this country or this group of people? Um, And that was really, as I look at it now, as I think back about it now, that was really a way for me to continue that story in my
0: life. I'm so excited for you. And it makes me want to just jump on a plane and and keep because I used to travel quite a bit with my work as well. But what I'm hearing and what I think is so important for our listeners to understand is all along the way with your upbringing, what I'm hearing anyway, is that you were offered choices, because you saw the end result of those choices. You know, you saw a myriad, it's like going to a market, and seeing all these different fruits and being told it's okay that you can taste all of these fruits. Like this is, this is what's available. This is what our life is like. So you are given choices. I can talk, you know, I can eat this one. I can talk to this person. I can ask, I can be a part of, I can exchange views. I can learn, grow, love, laugh, play with all these different people and know that, that it's okay. It's good. Yes. I, I, I and I
1: think that there's such an immense
0: gratitude in that in that so we're going to take a short break right now but i'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds ladies unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop for just $47 a month you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me mahara wayman as we dive deep into all things badass from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, purpose, and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking, you've earned it.
1: And there's also a lot of work that goes into it. And I think as I as I was saying to you earlier, as I progressed in my journey, I began to realize that while I was always ready for the circus that I was uh, part of, or, you know, that I was sort of um, embracing in my life, and, and, you know, to date, I've lived in 14 different houses. So you can imagine I was, uh, to me, it's, 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 it was always very exciting. It was always very, very exciting. And at the same time, as I continued on that journey, I began to notice things, right? That's when I began to notice that I might have to work a little bit harder than everybody else in order to um, get that opportunity. Or I might have to prove myself for a little bit longer than others in order to have a chance at something that would be my um, my my wish, my desire, my hope. Um, I think that I took it, and I still take it as um a given that I just have to. I it's. It, I know that that feels unjust, and in in my in in the, I have moments when I think, why do I have to work harder at, at getting the same opportunities or why do I have to, <sighs> so many things um, in order to, it, it, that others may not have to do in order for me to get to what I, where I want to get to. And so that journey has been something, that that that, that is something I became aware of slowly and steadily as I exited my very safe environment that I grew up in and and there are so many small examples of that just this and it there's there's there small examples there are some more overt examples as well um but I really do in the end I think I just um by the time I realized what had been happening I had also Um, accepted that I'd always have to work a little bit harder than most. And it just, it's become part of the way I operate in the world.
0: What a beautiful realization, because first of all, I want to thank you for sharing, because that was a very eloquent way of saying my eyes opened and I realized that my upbringing was not necessarily equal. Equal is not the right word. Um, Well, basically, you said it yourself, you began to realize that you actually Despite having all of these amazing qualifications and out and and out, I can't, what's the word I'm looking for? Outlook on life and all of this, you know, you still, there was still a bit of something that just didn't feel so good, right? There's still a little bit of twinge of, oh, oh, did he, did did they just say that or did that just happen or what am I? Um, And that's something that many people, especially women, face very overtly on a regular basis. But I really, appreciate that you were able to, the way that you shared it with us, very honest. Was that the beginning of your thinking, there's more, I need more than the corporate? I'm, I'm kind of- Actually, it
1: wasn't uh, the beginning of my thinking that I needed more in corporate. I think that um, that's that calling in me to be an active part, of um, a contributor in the, wait, let me try again. I think that I became more aware of the requirement of me to be a more active contributor in the space of the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging a little bit later, uh, after I came out of corporate. And I think that that's where I was meant to go. But I didn't know that when I left corporate. When I left corporate, I still had to some degree been in, and and corporate is like that. Corporate is a little bit like an ivory tower anyway. (laughs) So, you know, you have your your confirmed salaries, you have these clear career paths, uh, more or less. Of course, as I said earlier, there are... Um, all of these nuances of um inequality that you sense in terms of how you're being uh, you you're experiencing um, your corporate life versus somebody else's corporate life. however, I don't think that I was um I, I I know actually I know that that was not the reason I left corporate because I left corporate at the ribald age of forty. When my husband fell sick, and and oh gosh, I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story, but I had been traveling and on the road for three weeks uh, in in that month, and I had a friend call me up and say they couldn't find my husband because my husband, who I met at my previous corporate, um, was uh, you know was very well connected with my social circle, so. Somebody called me up and said, "We can't find your husband. (laughs) Where is he?" And I and I said, "I have no idea because I've been on the road for so many." And and that was exactly what the reason why I didn't want to settle down um, or or pursue this entrepreneurial journey because I was still on my crazy adventure. That I, you know, that was where my life started. my life started in trying to meet other people and be in different cultures and have. So I was still on that path at 40, when I discovered that I could, that we couldn't find my husband. And when we did find him, it turns out he was in the hospital and he was having surgery. So he was in the operating room and I didn't know anything about it. And so I caught the first flight out, despite the fact that I was meeting my new team for the first time. I caught the first flight out, I moved, I, I, I headed back and I arrived to the, hospital with my suitcases and he they were rolling him out of the operating room and I was walking by him and he was semi-conscious and I said why didn't you tell me what was happening and he said to me and this will stay in my inside me for the rest of my life he said I know how important your career is to you and everything stopped in that moment because it was really my number one. I spent the next 13 weeks reflecting on what was really important to me at this stage in my life. And I realized I was very close to having let go of the dream I've always had, which is to be an entrepreneur. I've always had that dream. And I think so many HR people dream of striking it out on their own. And I just thought, I'm gonna do this. This is it. Um, I know how important um my dreams are to me. And then I also knew that because I, you know, I had I had taken a 13-hour flight to get back to him. So i had in those 13 hours I had an opportunity to think about am I gonna lose is <laughs> Am I gonna lose him? It turns out he had a very minor surgery. <laughs> it was nothing as serious as I had engineered in my head, but in that moment when when you're facing that you realize that your family is probably the most important thing in the world and there really is nothing else and I had not wanted um I had not wanted to become a mother and uh, I had not wanted to settle down into sort of a, a family routine and none of that until that moment and I had not wanted to pursue my secret And then I suddenly did. And so I did. And that was seven years ago.
0: (laughs) What was it that finally opened your eyes that you could allow yourself to go after your dream? Was it the fear of losing your family? Or was it just a recognition? Or was it, I mean, has the universe been giving you signs for the last 20 years and you just finally noticed the sign?
1: I think that I realized that if i wanted more from my life i would have to go for it and while it was very delicious and very sexy to continue to live the life that i had lived from that i had aspired to from when i was 14 years old and watching the movie and all and being surrounded by new and diverse experiences while that this was that moment when my paradigm shifted, and I realized I wasn't 14 anymore and I'd done it, I'd done it, I got that and I was, I think I saw it as a, um, it was, it was just suddenly I, it was, I was clear on what my next iteration would be and then it was a really simple decision and, and it was really hard for everybody else to come to terms with that because it was like you know you're doing great here this is awesome <laughs> I come from a culture where being in corporate and having you know a, a job like that is like the definition of success and the definition of success is not necessarily going out and becoming an entrepreneur and, You know just going off that path um and so i know that there was a lot of disbelief and i remember i remember somebody i met last year who was a part of my family and i'm not going to name names (laughs) who said what do you do anyway i thought you're not working and this was last year because entrepreneurship is actually not considered a job in my culture it seems so and 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 I think now I'm slowly helping people get over their bias <laughs> for for what I pursue and what is my career right now.
0: So let's talk about what you pursue and what your what your career is right now because obviously I mean you had the some people say come to Jesus moment but basically you're like oh wow okay I don't have to I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost like, um, I don't have to, I've done it. I don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. I, I said, I would do it. I'm doing it and it's great, but I'm allowing myself to step up. Cause what I heard was you, you saw the light and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm giving myself permission to fail and be okay with it because that's what entrepreneurship seems to be like for many of us.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that actually I thought to myself, I'm giving myself permission to succeed differently. I never thought of failure,
0: but I think that's interest is so interesting because it's, that's, you know, words are powerful and those are the words that I chose. So I love that you called me out on it and that wasn't in your, in your repertoire. So that's beautiful. Yay for you, but let's talk about what you do now.
1: Yeah. So I run a leadership development company and really what I do is work with leaders and leadership teams to be more conscious in the way they lead. And I think to keep it really, really simple, what I'd really love to to see leaders and leadership teams achieve is a level of maturity in which they're not just looking at, this is the prescribed organization culture, or these are the prescribed organization values, and these are sort of the ethical um, dictates of this organization that I work in. But rather, they they simply look within at their humanity and they tap into that and they say to themselves, "I'm going to do the right thing." And what's that? And that's my only hope for the work that I do with my clients.
0: What do you? This is a big question, and I know we don't have a lot of time to go into it. But I, I, if you can. What do you think has been the the biggest reason why, up until now, leaders have struggled to do that? Is it just the culture of corporate of the corporate world that we've allowed? Is it a patriarchal manifestation that we i shouldn't have said that word? There are so many things There's I don't so know where many. to begin <laughs> okay. you know what? i i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it I'm just gonna you don't have to answer but and for those of you that are listening. Ask yourself what you think the answer is, because what we're doing right now, this is important work, this conversation, this is important, and I'm going to challenge all of the listeners to have this le- this type of conversation with your family, with your co-workers, and just talk about it, because I think you may be surprised at the answers that you hear or the discussion that comes out of it. Um, the only way that we're going to change is if we have if we have the guts to to look at ourselves as a company as a wife a lover a friend a mother a cousin um, a coworker, we have to be brave enough to say hey what can i do better and what how am i contributing to the goodness and how am i contributing to the challenges that's that's all i'm going to say on that because we've only got a couple minutes left but does that resonate with you
1: So deeply, I can't even, I have so much bubbling up inside me right now. And I think my only hope for the world right now is to challenge our very limited perspectives of what leadership is. Uh, It has been defined by very few, um, mainly non-diverse people in the world. And I think that it's really, really the time now to expand our definition of what leadership looks like, behaves like, and does. And I think that then when we become more inclusive in our definition of leadership, it might actually become easier to be more humane as leaders
0: and also do the right. Amen. Tall Amen. order. So you coach... And you coach teams globally, wherever they're Yes. In. So I coach
1: global teams and I coach regional leadership teams as well. Um, and also um, individuals. So indivi- I coach global leaders, regional leaders, so on and so forth, one-on-one.
0: So beautiful. So, so needed. Um, I, I heard on, on another podcast, I was chatting with a guest and They explained, you know, people talk about keeping your life separate from your work, but that's just BS because everything is intertwined. So I love that you are focused on making a difference in the workplace, in the corporate world, because it does trickle down to our family life. And if we are going to make a change in the world, then we have to, we have to actually take action on it. Check the show notes, all of the ways that you can connect with, with my beautiful guest will be there. And she also has a podcast that she hasn't had a chance to talk about. So I suspect we're going to have her back. I know that you are going to agree with me that there's more to talk about. Afsheen, I cannot thank you enough. You are a badass. And I love and appreciate all that you're doing to, to make a difference in the world.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Mahara. And you know, I feel likewise about you and the work that you're doing to make a difference in the world. And I think if we... All raise our voices uh, and make it a crescendo. Uh, we can affect some change, and uh, yeah, let's let's keep doing that.
0: <laughs> it's a plan. It's a plan. Thank you all for joining me today, and my beautiful guest Afshin
1: We'll see. Thank you, next you for the opportunity. Thanks. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Art of badassery I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you.